Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Good Old Podcast. I'm Jackie Ferranciulli for Wahoo's 24-7, and we're going to talk about the big storylines from Virginia head coach Tony Elliott's press conference, but we're also going to touch base on recruiting. That has been a topic that I've been asked a lot about on our message boards, especially in the aftermath of Ronnie Laura's decommitment. So in the second half of the show, We've invited Brian Doan, our national recruiting analyst on 24-7 Sports, to join the show to discuss a little Virginia recruiting and what's next. And we're going to touch on a few targets in the 2023 class and also touch on the 2024 class as Virginia also has to start moving forward there as well. So before we get to recruiting, let's talk about Virginia football right now. They're trying to focus their attention on Duke, going away from that loss to Syracuse, focusing on the Blue Devils, and hoping to change their fortunes in conference play, looking for that first win. And what's going to be a very sloppy and wet game, especially when you look at that Hurricane Ian track. It's going to be a very interesting game. One that, you know, we're going to dive that in my game preview episode could actually give the edge to Virginia when you look at the matchup. But before we dive into that, Tony Elliott did discuss the few hardships and challenges that faces the team when you play in that weather. He's familiar with that. And what he's been doing in practice has been helping his team play in those roles. They've been playing with vet balls, talking about sometimes you have to play without gloves. Um, you know, we talked to Virginia running back Mike Collins, who jokes like, I'm from Louisiana. We know a thing or two about hurricanes. So what Tony Elliott, you know, touched on said, you know, we have a game plan by watching film. That's your first step when you have to consider this, because at the end of the day, if you're familiar with hurricanes, if you're listening and you know anything about hurricanes as a Floridian, we are, we are used to this. You have a cone and then you're trying to figure out where this hurricane is going to go. At this point, North Carolina is still in the cone, but you don't know this far out. So it could be where, there would just be slight rain, could be there was a downpour, could be windy conditions. So we don't know. So what Tony Elliott says, we first have to plan our game plan according to the opponent, according to what we watched on film. And then we adjust from there to conditions. So if it is sloppy and if it is windy, guess what? Hello, Paris Jones, Mike Collins, Xavier Brown, Ronnie Walker. There's going to be a lot of emphasis in the run game. So Tony Elliott did talk about that and the challenges that presents. And again, it really is about sticking to your game plan first and moving from there. We'll put together a plan based off of what we've seen on tape. Okay. Uh, that, that's where we'll start. And then within that plan, we'll have variations of things that we can do uh, that give us an opportunity to attack the structure. And then as you get closer to the week, uh, what the forecast really unfolds, I think about back to the Notre Dame game we played uh, and, it, and it was a torrential downpour and, you know, we had our plan, and then on game day, you know, we made some adjustments just in terms of, of thought process on, on passing game. Uh, but the run game will be installed, uh, and then our RPOs off of the run game will have to be there, and depending upon, you know, how, uh, how wet it is. Coach Gaither always, you know, prides itself on um, keeping us prepared and up to date. So, um, 
Yeah, we had you know wet ball periods. Okay. Uh, I don't have any gloves on, so I'm already preparing. <laughs> um, yeah, just you know, it's it's all in the little things because, like I said, we've been playing football our whole life, so we just have to you know prepare throughout the week. And you know, I'm from Louisiana where they have hurricanes all summer every year, so um, the rain doesn't really bother me. It's more of just uh, you know preparing the body to you know execute and you know play well in those in the those slippery conditions we really can't see the balls you know soaked so i mean everybody goes through it so you got to kind of come with the the mentality that uh, i'm not going to struggle more than the other team basically Everyone says it's football weather well eh. it's, not, right. it's not the greatest i'll tell you that especially as a quarterback trying to throw the ball but you know we're doing some stuff out here with the uh, the footballs trying to you know just kind of replicate that what it could be like um so yeah just main thing is just securing that ball all game long this coming week because that's honestly going to be the tale of probably who wins is who can secure the ball because, you know, it's, it's just going to be probably a mess out there. So we just got to make sure we do that. We're preparing uh, and we'll have a plan uh, and it'll be adjusted once we actually see what the conditions are. We get there, but we're prepared. The press conference focused a lot on the weather and also of Duke and the offense earning respect, but also dealt with some personnel changes on the Virginia side. So let's dive in on the new depth chart. If you're on YouTube, you're going to see it on your screen right now. And if you're on Wahoo's 24-7, um, you'll be able to see this on our site, including our breakdown of what changes there are on the depth chart. So let's start with the offensive side of the ball. There's no changes as far as wide receivers or running backs or anything like that. Everything is pretty much standard. But if you look on the offensive line, one of the changes is a change that we actually saw against Syracuse. Justice Johnson is with the ones and Ty Furnish is with the twos. And something that Tony Elliott said during his press conference is that when you have an odd front and, you know, Ty Furnish is facing off against a 300 pound guy, that is a mismatch. And often he said that Ty Furnish earned the right to start during his practice reps, but it just didn't transition to consistency on game day. And he was saying that sometimes, when something goes wrong, you he didn't stick with his technique. He kind of reverted back, and that's something that they're working on. And he said, this is not permanent Ty Furnish. You know, they could be using Ty Furnish a little later on the season, but as of right now, Justice Johnson has earned the right to start at center. Now, the other change that we notice, you know, everything is pretty much the same with, you know, the starting five. You got Logan Taylor, John Paul Flores. As I said, Justin Johnson is a big change. And then Derek Devine and Jonathan Leach. But if you notice a new name underneath Jonathan Leach, that is Houston Curry. Houston Curry is the second true freshman on this depth chart in the two deep. He is a name, if you are a Wahoo's 24-7 subscriber, should be familiar with because on our scrimmage report, uh, I think it was the first fall scrimmage report, we had him as one of the team, one of the linemen, the true freshmen, that actually rotated in with the first team he then had to wear a yellow jersey and he didn't have as much reps during practice because he was dealing with you know an injury so he didn't participate as much during practice but he was doing well enough early on in fall camp to earn reps with the ones we only saw mikhail Boley earn reps with the ones when he came back from his injury and earned that right and then he obviously he started the opening game of the season so Houston Curry is a name that we had seen a little emerge um, early on in the fall camp, and he earned some reps with the ones. So he replaces Charlie Patterson 
in that too deep. So that is the change there. Um, there's no other changes on there. Obviously, you see wide receiver Billy Camp is on the depth chart. Um, when you look the last week, he was still on the depth chart, but he didn't play. Tony Elliott said he was actually cleared to play late last week, but because of the nature of the illness and then the recovery period, he was suffering from dehydration. And um, when you deal with that, you know, if a shot to the kidneys or something happened in the game, Elliott was saying, I didn't want to chance it. So we kept him so he can recover another another day. So, but he is anticipated to play against Duke this week. So he's on the depth chart with Keaton Thompson. I imagine KT will be relieved to get some uh, reps off, snaps off. He's been, uh, they've been working him hard. Uh, KT has a, had a high snap count in recent days, but honestly, feed KT has been working for Virginia. So those are the key changes on the offensive side of the ball. So if you go to the defensive side, Everything is pretty much similar on the defensive front. Um, you've got Cam Butler, Jameer Carter, Aaron Famui, and Chico Bennett as your ones. So that's pretty much the same. Now, this is an expected change in a way. Um, we, all, we knew Nick Jackson was not going to be able to start this game because of the targeting call against Syracuse. He will need to sit out in the first half. So when you look at this, we see Deshaun Perry, who played bandit a few weeks ago during due to depth issues at that bandit position. He is now expected to start for Nick Jackson against Duke. And Tony Elliott spoke about that a little bit during his press conference and just about the versatility that Perry brings. What you love about Perry is uh, one, he's, he's physical, he's strong, he's a violent guy. Uh, he's, he's twitchy. He's one of the more twitchy guys that we have on the team. Um, still a little bit inexperienced at the uh, at the backer position, but we felt like coming into the season, the best thing for him uh, in his future and the football team was for him to move to uh, the linebacker spot as opposed to a post to an edge rusher. But last week we had to put him back as an edge rusher just because of because of depth. So what you like is just the athleticism, the ability to go sideline to sideline. You're playing a, a team that's going to spread you out, that has uh, skill guys that can run. Uh, you got to have a backer in there that can defend the pass, but then also can defend the run. So uh, that's where we'll start. And, and uh, it's going to be him, Hunter, uh, Ahern, James Jackson. They all got to be ready to go. Uh, and then once uh, we're able to turn Nick loose in the second half, um, you know, we're excited about getting him back uh, for the second half of that game. So let's continue on with the linebackers. So you see Josh Ahern at will. He left early a little bit in that game against Syracuse. And that's where we saw James Jackson and Hunter Stewart a lot partnering up. So right now we have James Jackson as two and Hunter Stewart as three, but I expect Hunter Stewart to also factor in and get some defensive reps as well. After doing decent against Syracuse, I know a lot of people might focus in on that face mask, but if you look back on tape, he did a good job against Syracuse when he was asked to come on. So that is your linebacker situation heading into the Blue Devils game. And then no changes at corner, uh, both Ventral Cypress and Anthony Johnson are your ones. Elijah Gaines and Jalen Baker are your twos. Now, there is a change at safety. Now, if you're a Wahoos 24-7 subscriber, this will not shock you. We had mentioned that Cohen King was injured prior to that game against Syracuse. He didn't travel with Virginia, and it was a possibility that this was going to be a more long-term injury. On Tuesday, Tony Elliott said, he has been dealing with a sprained MCL, which can, depending on the individual, can last longer or can be a shorter recovery time. It could be anywhere in that range of two to four weeks, could be even be six weeks. So there is no timeline for his return. But they anticipate that Cohen King will not be available against Duke. 
So he is not listed on the depth chart. Who is still listed on the depth chart is Antonio Clary. He actually traveled with the team in Syracuse, but it was a game time decision. Doctors didn't feel like he was ready to go. So he sat out for that game. He's still dealing with that stinger. He picked up against Illinois. He is anticipated to return for Duke. So your starting safeties is going to be Jonas Sanker, Lex Long, Antonio Clary. Jonas Sanker's having a great season. Um, I think he's, you know, you can say he's having a breakout season. He had a forced fumble recovery and his interception against Syracuse. That's the first interception that Schrader has thrown all year. Honestly, Syracuse didn't even turn over the ball at all up until the game against Virginia. So Sanker's having a good season. And then below them are Darius Bratton, Donovan Johnson, who's featured a lot on special teams, and Chase Chalmers. Um, Bratton has been dealing with a high ankle sprain. Um, so he he's not yet 100%, but he's expected to go. But he's he's coming back from a high ankle sprain, a bone bruise injury. So, But he is in the two deep. So that is your defensive look at the depth chart. Finally, special teams. Um, this is going, a lot of people had questions on if there will be changes on the special teams. And if you look, there isn't because they still list Brendan Farrell, Will Betridge, but there is. According to Tony Elliott, Will Betridge will be the place kicker. So he'll be kicking field goals while Brendan Farrell will be kicking kickoffs. So that's going to be the change right now. And then Tony Elliott said that he wants Will Betridge to know he's the guy for kick up or a field goal. So he's going to be the place kicker coming into the games. So that's what they're going to try right now. So the plan, the plan going forward is, man, I'm going to give veterans uh, a shot, uh, give him a shot to, to see, see what he can do out there and uh, let him go into the week, knowing that he's going to be the guy that's going to handle uh, the field goal duties. And then uh, just let Farrell focus on, uh, on kickoffs, but also be ready uh, in case we have to make a, make a change back. But you know, the biggest thing is, is on the two that we missed, yeah, good snap, good hold, good protection. Man, we just we just miss hit it, and we've had a couple where we where we've miss hit, and it and you gotta have points. You know, you gotta have points when you go out there, and and I know he's trying, and but he's got to work through it. But right now, uh, with uh, with Will, you know, that's what we brought him in here to do. I got to give him a shot to see can uh, see can he be a little bit more consistent for us. So that's it from everything from Tony Elliott's press conference, and in just a few minutes, we'll be back here, and we're going to bring in Brian Doan to get in the latest on the recruiting trail. We'll talk about Ronnie Laura's decommitment and we'll talk about what's next for Virginia football recruiting. So stay tuned. And welcome back to the good old podcast. I'm Jack Franchilli for Wahoo's 24 seven. And like I promised you before the break, we have a special guest, national recruiter nihilist, Brian down, Brian, thank you so much very much for joining us from your cozy living room. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you said you had a special guest, I was like, oh, I wonder who's joining us. But no, it's, it's, good to, it's good to be on with you. Oh, we always love your bluntness, Brian. That's why we like having you on. Um, Blunt is one so, word. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get um, started. Obviously, the big news around Virginia recruiting isn't the best news. Uh, they lost out the commitment commitment from Ronnie Laura, the Woodbury Forest defensive lineman who committed to them over the summer. So that means they're going to be on the hunt for another defensive line target. Uh, they obviously have two committed, Miles Green and Anthony Britton, currently. How would you evaluate this D-line class right now? And do you feel like there's anybody that you've kind of seen that could be a good fit for Virginia? 
I mean, I think the first thing you look at it and you say it's incomplete with just the two guys committed right now. Even even with Rodney Lohr, you'd like to get a little bit more than just a three. Um, you know, and before we get into who can be that guy, listen, that stuff all gets worked out kind of in October and November when senior film starts getting evaluated, which is kind of a, I don't want to say a lost art, but a, a forgotten path for Power 5 schools in a lot of instances. And when I look at Virginia and their class and, and what they're going to need, having watched a few of their games, and they need a lot, um, it's not just this class, the senior class, what can you do in the fall, but Virginia needs help in some areas right away, and especially on the line of scrimmage. And to me, it's more about the portal right now with Virginia, even as we look forward with the 23 class. 24 class, a little bit different, but they really have to fill some holes. And for me, it starts um, probably in the portal is what they're going to wind up looking at toward the end and after the season. So, so far, they do have those two commits, uh, Miles right. Green and Anthony Britton, and they're both good in-state commits, Brian. Uh, we talked about them when they first were committed, you know, you get one from Lake Taylor, one from Highland Springs. What kind of stands out about Anthony since we haven't had you on the show to talk about him? Yeah, I, I think one of the things, and, and Jackie, you and I spoke about this off air a few times about offensive line, defensive line, but in watching him, explosive, good body, he can really, you know, he, he can reshape his body a little bit, but he can anchor at the point of attack. Um, a, a kid I'm really curious to see as his senior year develops, just how he improves on the field with the technique. He, he was more explosive than I thought it would be when I watched him on tape. He's a kid that, I, I, look, everybody's a projection, right, especially on the line of scrimmage. But I think he's a guy that's going to need some work from a technique standpoint, Um and just kind of make sure that he's playing low at the low pad level. And just he can fit it in a couple different spots moving along the defensive line. And I think that's important because it gives you flexibility when you're looking at some other guys. But he's a guy that kind of went under the radar of a lot of schools because he wasn't out there camping and he went to UVA, kind of fell in love with it the first time he was there and made up his mind that, hey, if I get the chance to go to UVA, I'm I'm going there academics are huge with him, which is why he was also heavily looking at William and Mary. Um, these are the kind of kids right now that UVA is, is trying to uncover, to kind of give some momentum to their class. I, I like Britain. I'm excited to watch his tape come late October. And, you know, you, you actually mentioned the point for Virginia. They're going to be really reliant on these senior tapes coming up. You know, we're seeing new offers kind of pop up. You know, there's one guy on the defensive line, Zachary Dantzler Ward, that's a, new, that's a Navy commit. He visited for the game for Ode Dominion. They're currently evaluating him. So that's, that's one guy on the D-line that you can imagine they could possibly pursue down the line. But a new offer that was just extended within the last 24 hours, Brian, is a guy that you are familiar with which is Christian Allegro from Avon Old Farms. What kind of stands out about his game? Well, first of all, I'm going to go see him play on Saturday night, so I'll really have a better feel there. But he's a kid that he, he played, I believe it was Darien, Connecticut, which is you know close to the New York border, New York City suburb type feel to it, but didn't get much run in recruiting. The school doesn't produce very many Division One kids. And so he decides to take a post-grad year at Avon Old Farms, which is – you know, more of a um, big time program. I think they have five or six power five kids on the roster right now. I'm curious to see him, but 
He has good size. You know, I, I think he's like 6'3", 6'4", 215, 220. He was committed to play lacrosse in college and decided, you know what, I, I think I really want to turn around and play football because he kind of just had that bug. He was thinking about lacrosse, playing it in college, and it just wasn't as exciting to him as it was when he was on the field as a junior, I mean, as a senior at, at Darien High School. And so I'm curious. I think he's a guy who's an edge could play outside linebacker, maybe with his hand on the ground. I want to get a good look at his frame, see how he moves. Can he move laterally? You know, how, how much can he add to his frame? Rutgers and Minnesota were the ones that got on him in the summer. They had him at camp. Obviously, he performed well if they offered him. And, you know, Rutgers and Minnesota both pushed for him to commit. And he said, no, I, I want to take my time and see what else can transpire. And one thing you have to realize about the New England and especially Connecticut prep schools this past weekend was when they played their first games. So it's not like he's got a ton of tape out there. So when I go up there, it'll be his second game of the season. So what you're telling me is his offer list might grow a little bit once he's got more game film out there. Yeah, I would anticipate it. He's got a 2024 quarterback at his school, Ryan Puglisi, who has a bundle of offers, you know, including Georgia. I know Georgia likes him a lot. So he's going to get looked at. Um, to me, it's just a matter of, of waiting and see where he is late October, early November. But the other thing is they play on Saturdays and they really don't have buys. So if he's talking about visiting a school, you're, you're looking at almost close to Thanksgiving before that's going to take place. And he's the type of kid that Virginia should go after, the kids from these type of prep schools with high academics. These are the type of kids, when you look for Virginia recruiting, these are the kids that you think, okay, this is the profile that you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, you can always bend outside the profile. There's no it, there's no rule that says you have to do this. But if you're Virginia, you're, you're looking at kids who are high on academics and really want that blend. That's what Bronco Mendenhall brought in. He was able to, you know, get to the ACC title game with that kind of philosophy. You have to know who you are. And I think when you look at programs that kind of struggle in recruiting, it's the programs that don't really know who they are or understand what best fits not only your football culture, but the culture at your school. You cannot go to Virginia and be like, you know, I, I think I'll go to class today. That, that's not how it's going to work. And, and it doesn't work like that at, at most programs, but it's just a different mindset when you're talking about Virginia and, and what kids want and what families want. I know we talked a lot about the 2023 class with a few targets and just kind of the direction there, but you know, a lot of people are saying oh, the 23 class was always going to be hard for the staff. We knew we even talked about it shortly after, right. you know, we started the cycle. So a lot of focus is going to be on the 24, 25 class. Virginia hasn't had many of these 24 visitors yet on grounds. Kashawn Henderson was their big uh, visitor for the Old Dominion game, but those were Old Dominion and Richmond. They're going to have Louisville coming up. They also have great home games second half of the season. So that's when you expect uh, those guys to visit. Um, so when you look at this 24 class that I'm bringing up, if you're on YouTube, you're going to see the top 24-7 kids from Virginia. When you see this group, you see Chris Jones. He visited over the summer. Kishan Henderson, he visited with DJ Oliver. Tolliver also visited. When you see these guys, 
do you see a guy that you can already say like you know like Mikai White? He seemed like he was leaning pretty heavily to UVA. Do you feel like still too early to judge where this recruitment stands because it is only at the end of September, or do you feel like Virginia has made some leeway there? They've made some leeway, but here's what Virginia's up against, right? So, so Virginia Tech had a game, she has a good BC game, which was their first game, home game for Brent Pry, and they did a really good job of getting the top players in Virginia's 24 class on campus. And listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Right now, Virginia Tech has more buzz in recruiting, especially in the state of Virginia, than the Cavaliers do. But Virginia Tech also had a different kind of marquee games for kids to go to. Um, you know, even they played a Thursday night game against West Virginia, which didn't go well for the Hokies, but some kids got to campus that were kind of more local. You're right about the 23 class in terms of a lot of those kids already had established relationships elsewhere. And so it makes it a little tougher for Virginia. And you mentioned, you know, Kashawn Henderson and, and DJ Tolliver, a kid out of Lord Botetourt. You know, to me, and that's huge, right? Because that's Zach Rice's school, so we don't want to relive that. But um, that that Tolliver is really talking to Virginia is important, I think, to the Cavaliers and also to the high school. For me, though, you you have to start getting these kids on campus and have to start making them believe in what. Tony Elliott is doing as a coach and within his program. I know, Jackie, when you and I spoke the first few months that Elliott was in charge there, one of the things that really stood out was how these kids, when they talked to him or visited campus, how invested he was in recruiting these kids. And I mean, they're still working hard. I just don't feel like there's as much buzz. So you need to get them on campus to kind of create a little bit of buzz. And, you know, to me, you always need momentum in recruiting and getting them on campus for a big game and winning a big game could help. Yeah, you know, you know, there's a couple of kids when you look in the 24 class, obviously Makai Byerson was one that was on right. grounds as well. He picked up the offer while he was on the visit. So there's a couple of kids when I look in this 24 class and I'm thinking this is, I hate saying must get kid because, you know, you can always, it's always. Yeah, there's the, no, to me, there's no such thing as a must get kid. You just have to work harder to find the next kid if you don't get them. Exactly. But at the same time, when you look at Christian Martin, for instance, the Highland Springs quarterback, that kid can really help you propel your program forward in state and within the area of Richmond. Um, so if you were to look at this 24 class, do you have a guy like that that you think, you know, this is the quintessential Virginia kid? This would be, you know, a good leap for Virginia? No, because if I did, I'd put in a crystal ball pick for him. Uh, <laughs> not, I mean, you know, to be honest, but um, to me, it's still in the filling out process. So you take Christian who, listen, it would be great for Virginia or Virginia Tech or North Carolina or whomever is within that four or five hour drive of, of where he plays because quarterbacks are usually well connected. You, you better be a good leader if you're a quarterback. And so that's what you wanted in the, you know, you want that out of your quarterback in a recruiting class. And then if you look in, and Jackie, you know, this, the, the talent is in Virginia is moving closer and closer to the 95 corridor away from maybe, you know, the high level kids in Virginia beach. And, you know, I just feel like, you know, Richmond area, it's really where a lot of talent is starting to, gravitate toward and so if you can get a kid who has ties there 
and he's a quarterback and he's likable, yeah, it's going to help. But I think we're a, a bit of ways away from that happening yet. I, I don't think Christian's even thinking about a decision on his side either. No, he's just busy lighting up scoreboards and uh, <laughs> doing a great job this season, cementing him as one of the uh, top quarterbacks in the state. Yeah, and, and I was going to say, and, and, I, and I look at it, and so for me, you know, you talk about some of the games that Virginia has coming up. To get him on campus, make sure he understands how important he is, if that's what they so choose. They may, you know, we've seen schools all over the country where you're like, how are you not recruiting that kid in your own backyard? And for whatever reason, they don't recruit him. So get him on campus, recruit him hard, and, and see where you stand. Because the, the big thing, though, for me, Jackie, is UVA's got to figure out its offensive line and recruiting because recruits see that. Yeah, the recruits are very smart. Recruits like to ask uh, what's next questions. So that's that's definitely pivotal for Virginia. So It, it, it is, and – I, I'm, and that's why I go back to what I said at the beginning as far as you you have to get into the portal and at least add some depth. And I, I think if you're a program and you try to live in the portal, it'll be a disaster. But when you take over a program and there was a, a large exodus of offensive linemen, right? And even with Coach Tuje staying, there was still a large exodus of offensive linemen. And so you have you know, uncertainty that went with it, um, especially I, I don't you know this better, but I think Tuesday wasn't told he was coming back until maybe around Christmas. Late, yeah, I was going to say late December. And so kids are trying to sign and make decisions. So I get all that stuff, but you have to get that settled. Yeah, it's it's not going to surprise me at all if they're going to hit the transfer portal for a number of positions, including those in the offensive line and D line moving forward, especially with Cam Butler only having one year of eligibility. So. Yeah, and, and that's fine, right? I mean, when you take over a program and in this day and age, you can have a lot of kids transferring out. It's about how can you stop gap it until you can develop your own talent. That's right. That's why you don't normally want to judge a new coaching staff that first year recruiting. Usually it's the second and third year where you start understanding their methods. Especially with the early signing period in December, it gives, you know, wh whether it was Tony Elliott or Brent Pry or anybody else. I mean, they had a week or two to get to know kids to convince them to come to their school because signing day was so early. So yeah, it's about the 24s, it's about the 25s, it's about the plan. And I, I'm always of the belief of a head coach should not get, you know, if I'm, if I'm a college administrator and they make some unbelievable decisions, let's put it that way, I, I don't hire a coach from another school unless he's been there for four years and I can see what the recruiting cycle is like. Yeah. You, that, that's, you can't tell anything from the first or second year. You, it's when you, you can tell out. whether he wins with the other team's players. Yes. Uh, with the yeah. other coaches players. And that's about it. Yeah. Ask Dan Mullen. He uh, won with Jim McElwain's players. And then when he had his own players, he wasn't quite yeah. as successful down in Florida. So I, th I think Scott Frost had some problems down at UCF too. Right. With, he won with some other guys' players. And then when he went to – he didn't have trouble there. He won there, and then he went to Nebraska. And, uh, you know. <laughs> we all know what happened to Scott Frost. Well, thanks, Brian, so much for joining us today and breaking down a little bit of Virginia's recruiting class and what to expect moving forward. Hey, thanks for having me, Jackie. And thanks again for Brian for joining us on the show. I always appreciate his thoughts and his perspective on recruiting. So it's always nice to have him on here, even if 
he is a liberal supporter. Not everybody can be perfect. So thanks again for listening to our show. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you can, please rate and review us. That will help us out because it helps us promote this show and helps us with the algorithm. And if you're on YouTube, why don't you go ahead and like this video and also subscribe to our channel. Again, it helps us continue to grow this podcast and this YouTube channel so we can continue to bring these shows. So for Brian Doan, I'm Jack French, Julie, and I hope you guys have a good rest of your day. Thank you.